The Sportsbook Bar and Grill is owned by Denver natives who love Colorado sports. I'm a big sports guy. I love watching sports. I love people's reaction to sports when it's a high-stakes game. No matter what's going on in the world, it kind of unifies people, and everyone seems to be a friend, you know, when you're at a sports bar. So, yeah, that's, that's the main reason I want to get involved with the sports bar. That was John Porter, part owner of Sportsbook. Him and his team pride themselves in creating a great environment for you to enjoy your favorite sports with TVs in every direction you look and so much more. Something that makes Sportsbook unique is not just a sports bar. We also have a killer menu um, with a bunch of, we got pizza burgers and melts and the combination of the food with the experience of, of a Broncos game or an Avalanche game or a Rockies game and having all that stuff packed into one. I mean, no one wants to sit at home by themselves and watch a game. You want to be around friends or you want to make new friends. You want to be full while you do it. And you also would like to have a few drinks with it as well. So with all the beers we have on tap and the diversity of our menu, there's no better spot to watch sports. You feel like you're in your house with all of your friends with you. If you're in the area, be sure to stop by the Sportsbook Bar and Grill today. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast. Powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. For the Colorado Avalanche, that's Matt Duchesne. Right now, news is breaking that he has been involved in a trade that has been completed, and it looks like they have pulled him off the ice here after just playing a couple of minutes to start this hockey game. The best Avalanche coverage in Denver. Fans have the puck again in the New York zone. Shot, Taking you beyond the ice and inside the locker room. Gerard didn't have a stick. The handoff in the slot broken up with a skate by Gerard. He broke up that play. Then he stopped it there. Oh, wow. What a play by Gerard. <laughs> and now, here are your hosts, A.J. Hafley and Adrian Dater. Ooh, I'm a rebel just for kicks Welcome into another episode of the BSN Avalanche Podcast, presented by In We Go. I'm your host today, AJ Hayfley, and I am by myself as the uh, schedule constraints of three very busy adults has once again landed with me on the wheel of loneliness here. So, if you guys were looking for Jesse or Adrian, uh, this is not the episode for them. Uh, Adrian is still making his way home from Florida after his airline cut him a sweet deal and paid for his Christmas. And uh, Jesse, I don't remember at all what he had to do. I'm too tired for that. So um, it is just going to be me today. So uh, let's uh, let's dive right into the very limited bag of topics that uh, I've got prepared for us. So um, I would like to apologize ahead of time. Uh, it has been a very long day for me, and I am quite tired. So uh, if uh, if I stumble over a few things here and there, just blame it on the fact that I'm a sleepy dude. Okay, so let's get into it. Uh, I was the one at Avalanche practice today, covering the uh, the the unfor I guess the unfortunate news that 
you know, uh, Vladislav Kamenev, I guess, was the big big topic of the day. Um, he, he had so- shoulder surgery after he uh, got hurt during the second period of the Lightning game on Saturday. Left that game immediately. Uh, he was in a great deal of pain, it looked like. And uh, sure enough, shoulder surgery. Um, Jared Bednar said that he is out indefinitely and could be potentially done for the season. That would make more or less two seasons now uh, that he since he's been acquired by the Avalanche that have been lost to injury. And uh, at his age, you know, he had nothing left to prove in the AHL. Uh, he was all about trying to take the next step for him into into the NHL. The Avalanche acquired him with the hopes that he could maybe crack into their top six, give them another good quality player uh, in the middle of their lineup. Uh, he he you know as a guy that's six three with some faceoff ability and and a and a good two way game. He brought a little bit of size to a lineup that occasionally can be on the small side. Uh, so it was definitely another another loss. And, you know, you can say, oh, it's a fourth-line center. You know, how important is that guy really? And, you know, when he's he's averaging just over nine minutes per game, for the most part, I'm going to agree with you uh, about that. But he was slowly starting to build up ice time. Uh, he, was, he was moving from the five minutes to the seven minutes to the nine minutes. Uh, and he was starting to push into the 10 to 12 range. Um, every every so often when he was playing well, you know he was still prone to having the 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 slower nights, and when the Avalanche uh, would would end up in a tighter game, they would shorten the bench, and he was one of the guys that would not hear his name called for long stretches. So at the end of the day, at, if you look at it just in the vacuum of what they've lost today. This is this is a player that uh, you know was a is a depth guy for them, and you know I'm, I guess I guess a harsher way to look at it is that it won't be very hard to fill those nine minutes, um, but it it really stings for him because it's a big it's a big opportunity lost for him to really solidify himself as an NHLer, especially on a roster that is going to be pushing for. Uh, a couple of upgrades around the edges in the next couple of years, and he was on that. He's he's been on that edge of the roster, where he really needed a good year this year to uh, to to lock down a spot and to prove that hey, this is a real NHL player. You know, we've seen him flash the NHL skills. You know, he had he had multiple points in the destruction against the Kings a couple weeks ago uh, with a goal and an assist. We saw him. Um, play pretty well and contribute on both a power play and a penalty kill at different times. He's he's been in late game situations with the Avs trying to protect leads because of face off ability. It's it's all the there's so many intriguing pieces there to to Kamenev's game. Uh, it was just a matter of putting it all together, and it was slowly starting to come together uh, as as Bednar you know slowly built up his trust in in the young player and. And part of that was Bednar also looking to to get a consistency from him um, where it was, you know, he wanted to see a consistent effort. He wanted to see him play at a consistent pace. And with Kamenev, that, that's been a bit of an issue at times. But we were starting to see a more aggressive Kamenev um, more often than not. And it's really it's really a shame that that the injury may cost him the season. We will see about that, but 
it should be enough of the season that even if he does get back healthy, um, they're going to play the majority of the rest of this year without him. Uh, and if he does get back healthy, he may or may not have a spot continuing uh, on this roster. You know, it's kind of kind of what happened to him last year, although he did get more of an opportunity to carve out a role. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, 23 games played, two goals, three assists for just the five points. Um, really feel for him. Um, you really do. One of the few guys on this team that has both uh, power play points and shorthanded points. So, um, that's, it's, it's a loss. Uh, today is definitely, today definitely is going to hurt them. Um, it's not good. Uh, the other injury news that we really, uh, that, that, that is of interest today, uh, Alexander Kerfoot, uh, is, is out with, uh, or I should say he missed practice today and we're not sure what it was. Um, they did call AJ Greer up from the Eagles just before the Eagles got on a plane and, and, uh, made their trek down to, I believe Tucson is where they're headed for back-to-back games this week. So I think the fact that they called up Greer, who is a wing, <coughs> means that they're comfortable, um, either dropping, you know, one of Comfer or Jost or somebody down to play center on the fourth line. Or um, they're not that worried about Kerfoot's injury um, and feel that it'll just be, you know, maybe he may even be fine for the game tomorrow. We'll have to wait for morning skate for that. But um, that was uh, another one of the developments today. Not sure what it was that was bothering him. Uh, Bedner just said that he was he was looking at the he was seeing the doctors today and then we'll go from there. So we're totally in the dark on that one, um, you know, which happens. Uh, from time to time with the organization where they get a little cute with some of this stuff. So um, we're still still trying to figure all that out. And uh, Mark Barbario did skate on his own before practice today. Uh, He was wearing a black jersey, not an orange jersey. So I guess that's, I guess we can consider that good. Um, I I had more optimism about that. And then he did not end up practicing. Um, and Bedner said after practice that there still wasn't really a timeline there. Um, just, just because he threw it out there, uh, Connor Timmons is still out indefinitely. Um, that was all that was said about that. So the injuries, now that we've gotten through that, uh, AJ Greer did get the call up. So he is the man now, uh, who, you know, with Kamenev's injury being long-term, Honestly, Greer at 21 points through 20 games played. Um, at that point in the in an AHL career, you don't need to be there anymore. I mean, just flat out, there is no need for AJ Greer to continue uh, working away in the A in in with the Eagles. Uh, he's been obviously he's been great for them. Uh, he has been given more time playing uh, a variety of roles. You know, specifically a penalty killing role, which. You know, given given Colorado's penalty kill right now, and has not been very good. Um, the main the main guy that I think is keeping AJ Greer from getting uh, on the ice consistently has been Gabriel Bork, and with the penalty kill not being very good right now, I'm not sure where the organization can continue to justify putting Bork out there on the ice every single night like he's a real surefire NHL player. Um, 
I've said it a million times. I like Bork. I think Bork and the way that he works every single day and the way that he hammers away at details. Um, he's a he's a quiet guy that goes about his business in a way that the Avalanche very much like. Um, he's he's a fringe roster guy, but he's an important guy in terms of setting a tone in a room because uh, the Avs a couple years ago had fourth line guys that didn't really work very hard. You know, they showed up and they collected their paychecks and they played in the games, but they weren't out there. You know, they weren't out there skating hard. They weren't out there committed to doing certain things. And as much as abs fans may hate that those things are valuable, you know, teams teams need to have character guys like that. You would you would almost always in a fourth line situation, teams are almost always going to choose if they're picking between two guys, they're gonna choose a guy that is committed to doing things every single day at the highest level that he personally can over a guy that maybe has more talent, but you're not entirely sure what you're gonna get out of him on a consistent day-to-day basis. We're seeing that play out right now on the Avalanche defense with Patrick Nemeth and Nikita Zadorov, where when Zadorov is on and he's playing very well, he's a very, very good NHL defenseman that has positive impacts on the game. But when he's kind of lost in his own head and he's not committed and he doesn't have the right attitude to play, you know, he's a a guy that, that can make big mistakes and lose you games. Uh, and so you have to you have to keep his minutes kind of in check a little bit because it's you're just you're just not sure what you're going to get out of him. A guy like Gabriel Bork, you know what you're getting, and there's always going to be comfort, especially when a coach is getting into his lineup and he's down at the bottom of his of his forward list. You know, there's going to be a comfort zone there with an understanding what Gabe Bork can and can't give you. You know, is he going to give you? Uh, much on the offensive end. No, you know that. But you also know that defensively he's sound enough that you don't have to worry about the fourth line going out there and and getting rocked. This was uh, the problem that they had with a guy like Grimaldi, who in very limited time in Colorado consistently found his way to a couple of points here and there, but defensively was a total sieve, and that's problematic. You know, coaches, especially a coach who was a defenseman during his career, is going to look at the defensive end on the on the end of his bench like that and say, what are you going to cost me if I put out there versus what are you going to give me? Um, so it's, you know, and, and Greer, Greer's going to have to prove himself in that part of the game. Now, I understand everybody, well, you know, he only played five minutes a night. And again, true. He's got to play more than that. He's got to get an actual opportunity uh, to prove himself. If the Kamenev injury has a positive, it's basically that. It's that that Greer should now be comfortable being in Denver uh, long, you know, for the the, the duration of Kamenev's injury. Um, he should be here. He's going to get that time in practice to impress the coaches, to settle down. Uh, he's previously talked about nerves being an issue for him, and and uh, you know him being afraid to play his own game and thinking he has to do this or has to do that instead of just being himself every day and doing it at the highest level that he can. Um, he's going to get, you know, he's, I believe, uh, when I asked Earl earlier today, he told me that Greer has spent uh, about seven days in the NHL so far this season. Uh, so it's, he hasn't been here very long in his couple of stints here, uh, but this is this should uh, be an extended trial for him. 
Uh, so even if it may start off really slowly, which I definitely expect it does, uh, even if it starts off with him, you know, five minutes again, seven minutes again, he'll be here long enough that he should be able to continue to slowly overtake Gabe Bork. Uh, that's And I, I use Bork as the guy because I think he's the one who's the weakest, uh, the one the one that is whose spot is the least secure. Um, I, th I also think that just given uh, the the time on ice and you know uh, the the usage issues that all of them are pointing towards uh, Gabe Bork as the guy there for the taking. Gabe Bork's uh, ice time is only at 11 minutes per game, and when you consider that he's uh, he's a guy that gets quite a bit of uh, PK time. You know his his even strength uh, ice time per game is not very high. It's actually lower than what Sheldon Dries was getting. Bork's only at eight minutes of even strength time per game. Uh, the the three minutes of uh, penalty kill time per game is really the only thing propping him up. And to be honest with you, keeping him in the lineup. Um, and and if we're being really honest here, probably even keeping him on this roster right now. So uh, AJ Greer is just. You know that's and that's a vulnerable position to be in when you're a veteran like that. You're not one of the shiny prospects that's going down there and and doing work in the AHL. Um, and Greer's had such a phenomenal start to his season with the Eagles that uh, he's absolutely earned a legitimate look from this organization. There's nothing he could do. There's nothing more that he could do at a level outside the NHL. Now that now that he's here and he should be in Denver for the foreseeable future. Uh, AJ Greer should get a, a, a legitimate look from this organization and they should actually, uh, you know, maybe give him a chance here. Um, I'm not sure what they're going to do about their center spot. It'll, you know, Kerfoot, Comfort, Jost, whatever, whatever, whichever combination of players they end up with. Um, I think uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. Uh, and I do hope that, you know, the positive that they're able to pull out of Kamenev's injury here is that Greer is going to get his legitimate opportunity. Greer needed, I mean, Greer, Greer was going to need an injury to in order to kind of break down the door and get back here. Um, Sheldon Dry's getting hurt in the AHL. He's been hurt the last couple weeks. He got back to practice apparently today, um, but uh, Dry's getting hurt Um really opened the door for Greer to kind of leapfrog him, especially because he continued to play well. Uh, so Kamenev, Kamenev getting hurt uh, when he did uh, sort of opens the door for Greer. And, you know, as, as they always say in every sport, you know, you go with next man up. And, you know, hopefully um, they, they give Greer the look he deserves and he runs with it. We've all been rooting for him for a long time. He's a great young man. Uh, he's got a good head on his shoulders, very competitive. I think he brings uh, something that this team very, very much needs. And if he's able to find the skill element and combine it with his uh, sandpaper that he brings to the to the game and, and his kind of peskiness, uh, it really brings an element that, that Colorado is going to that, – that's valuable. You know, his willingness to go out there and hit anything that moves while – uh, having the ability to play a, a skill game should be really good. And I'm 
personally, I'm excited about that possibility. I think it's going to be real. I think it should be a good time, and uh, hopefully we get to see him in some games here pretty soon. So um, that's going to do it for, for me here for segment number one. Um, I'm going to take a quick break, and I'm going to jump on some water and uh, kind of relax a little bit, come up with a second segment. So uh, I will be back on the other side of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by In We Go. Hey everybody, this is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by In We Go, Denver's best subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can, including Avalanche games, for only $39 per month. There's no additional costs or fees. You heard that right. You can get tickets to Avalanche home games with your In We Go subscription for only $39 a month. And it's not just Avs games. It's Rockies, Rapids, Nuggets, Buffs, Concerts, Beer Tastings, food fests, comedy shows, concerts, and anything else that you can imagine. If it's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that InWeGo can get you in. Here's where it gets good. We partnered with InWeGo to give BSN listeners a great deal. Go to InWeGo.com slash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe to get 50% off your first month. That's right, all events in Denver for under 20 bucks during your first month. Try it and fall in love with it just like we all did at BSN Denver. Go to InWeGo.com slash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50. Now, enjoy the show. And welcome back in segment number two here, the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by InWeGo, which is, of course, a great partner that everybody should check out, be into, subscribe to, etc., etc. Um, okay, I am here, segment number two, by myself, trying to spin my wheels and figure out what I'm supposed to do. Um, so let's, uh, I, you know, I wanted to actually get into this a little bit more, uh, in the first segment, but I kind of just rolled right through the news of the day and, you know, here we, here we are. Um, but I, I did want to talk about, uh, Kamenev a little bit more in that, um, you know, it's really unfortunate timing for him because this might kind of be it for him, uh, in terms of getting an extended look from the Avs, um, you know, coming up, uh, they've got Shane Bowers on the way, uh, who's you know a first-round pick acquired in the uh, the Duchesne deal, um, highly highly t- touted player for most of his life now, and you know his numbers at at BU this year are down a little bit, uh, but um, you know eight points in fifteen games isn't it's not terrible. It's just you know, as the number one center, um, he's also playing next to some guys who are kind of blah, and and the Terriers just aren't as good this year as as they have been in recent years, and he certainly doesn't have anybody as as good as Brady Kachuk hanging out uh, on on either of his wings. That's for damn sure. Um, so it's it's been it's but it's been interesting for Bowers. What little I've gotten to see of him, um, I feel like he's still driving play um, pretty well. But um, it's it's not resulting in uh, it's it's not resulting in all of the production that you might expect. Um, so it's it's interesting with a guy like Bowers because you do want to see um, you do want to see the numbers come up, you know. Um, but Bowers is just one of many. Uh, of guys that are on the way, you know, you look at you look at what Colorado has uh, also in the AHL level at, at at the center spot, 
And, you know, again, like we're, we're talking about the fourth line center here. Um, you know, so they've still got a guy like Dominic Toninato hanging around. Um, you know, they've got JC Bowden is in the second year uh, of his pro career. And it was kind of a, it was kind of an uneven first year for him. He spent some time um, down in the ECHL and, you know, which is never, never a, an encouraging sign, but. Um, you know, he only he put up seven points in 34 games in the AHL last season. Already this year, he's got 11 points in 22 games. Uh, so he is already off to a much, much better start. And, uh, you know, in in the AHL, you know, point-per-game players uh, are usually guys who have been there for a long time and are going to be there for a long time. Um, so, so uh, you know you don't look at you don't look at production quite the same way. Um, that's one reason why I would say that AJ Greer's uh, production to start this year has been so impressive. But I mean, a guy like Bowden has also been you know he's got nice size. He's right-handed, which the team definitely needs a little bit more of on the on the forward core, just in general. Um, he's got he's got good size, good skaters, very shifty guy. Uh, just a very solid little guy, uh, little little details guy. Um, you know, he does lots of little things very well that produce that produce the big results. Um, but he's not he's not a really flashy player. He's not a guy that you're going to watch and be like, oh my gosh, this guy's a you know totally dominant and anything like that. Um, really good young player. I said coming into the year that he has um, consistently used his second year at a level to make a big leap, uh, really to, to really jump in production. Um, and you know, he's, he's certainly living up to that right now. Um, been really very good for the Eagles this year, really solid start to the year for him. Very encouraging. He had kind of slipped on the, on the radar a little bit after such an uneven year last year. And now, um, back, back on the on you know proving that he's still very much an NHL prospect is what I'm saying and um you know with with guys like that you know he'll I I think he's a dark horse if they have another injury or two he'd be a dark horse for the team this year you know longer term you're looking at a guy like Josh maybe Josh Dickinson uh, obviously uh, Igor is another guy that you want to keep an eye on um, as a as a talented guy who you know just needs is very young and just needs to play a lot, um, but center is a position where they've got some intriguing guys, you know, and I think uh, you know Toninato is, is pretty much replete, re repeated his uh, scoring pace from last year in the AHL that again this year pretty much is who he is I think, um, and I'm not I'm not super excited about. Uh, the pros his prospects. Um, I think he could be a a decent four C. He's good. He's solid defensively. He's not going to give you much offensively. He's really kind of a bigger version of what you have with Gabe Bork on the wing. Um, now, if he could turn into some sort of a faceoff specialist at an organization that apparently can't find guys to win faceoffs in the NHL, that would obviously give him quite a bit more. Uh, value to 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 these guys, you know, and Sheldon Dry is another guy, you know, he's he's been a center. Um, he was mostly wing for the Avalanche, but he he did play a little bit of center. Uh, I don't think it particularly went very well, but 
he did, you know, he did do it. Um, so maybe you, you throw his name in there too. I'm, I'm really not sure how to feel about Dry's long term. Um, he, he kind of came out of nowhere for me, and I haven't really gotten a very good feel for what I feel like uh, his, his ceiling might be yet. So it's, <laughs> um, I just, I just kind of feel like ah, I, I don't really know who he is yet. So I feel like I, I forget him in conversations. I should include him in like this ones like this one. Um, you also consider, um, you know. Colorado has more guys coming, you know, they've, you know, Bowers is the big one, but you also have, you know, Brandon Sajan is, is still doing his thing, uh, in junior hockey where he really, really did not need to go back again. Um, in which he's just annihilating the OHL right now as in an in a true overage season too. He's, this is a, this is an actual overage year for him. Um, so he's, He's treating it like he should be, but you don't make very much. Uh, you don't make too much of that stuff. Um, and then, you know, in terms in, in terms of what they might actually get uh, draft wise, you know, the if if the Ottawa pick ends up in the top five, there's a decent chance they walk out of there uh, with a center because, you know, Kirby Dak, Dylan Cousins, those kinds of those guys are all centers. Um, you know, if they wanted a wing. Uh, you know, Pod Colson and uh, and Kakao are there. Obviously, Hughes is listed as a center. I'm not sure he stays there in the NHL. We'll see. Um, but could be another guy that you uh, you put in a center conversation should they should they get him. So um, it's 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 a complicated conversation. And with Kamenev, he's now lost two full years really to to injury um you know they acquired him in november um early november last year and he has played all of 26 games for them um so you know this has really not gone what the way that they wanted it to um you have to feel terribly for the kid we hope for the best for him getting back and hopefully he does come back this year and you know all of my doom and gloom from today will be for nothing that would be ideal but uh, for right now, I'm I'm really just I'm I'm worried that maybe opportunity for the other guys to pass him up is going to be too much. You know, he he's able he's he's, he's been able to hold him off this year, where he was the clear cut candidate for this job. But with Soderberg's contract continuing on, um, you know. Soderberg is really kind of the roadblock to all of the kids taking over uh, at center uh, for the Avalanche, and you know with the way Soderberg's played, he's turned himself he's he's made himself extremely valuable. But with Soderberg under contract through next season, um, and with the way that he has played, uh, honestly, you ha you start having a real conversation about potentially bringing him back on uh, a short term deal just because. He's been so good for them, and you wonder, you know, if they, you ideally Shane Bowers is your Carl Soderberg replacement, your three third line center, who can um, provide you with some offense, but is very good defensively, very responsible. Um, I mean, ideally Shane Bowers comes in and blows your doors off, and he's your second line center. But um, I've I've always been kind of iffy that his offense would get to that level. 
Um, so we'll, you know, we'll we'll see kind of how all these roles shake out. But Bowers, the point is, is that Bowers is coming. Bowers is going to be an NHL player, um, and he's going to compete for a job next season. He should sign at the end of this year. Uh, I talked to him uh, back in July, and uh, he told me this is I'm I'm planning for this to be my last year at BU. Um, so, you know, the Avs can sign him and get him, you know, maybe on an ATO to finish the year with the Eagles, um, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever they want to do, um, you know, get him, get him signed and on the, on the NHL radar for next year, he's going to be the primary competition for Kamenev, but there are also the other guys that I mentioned earlier in the segment, you know, there's, there's guys there. And if, uh, the Avs draft another one, that's more competition, uh, at that position for for Kamenev immediately, so uh, it it maybe and you know they've got money to spend in free agency. Maybe they go out and they sign like a Kevin Hayes in free agency, a guy who can play center, can play wing, you know. And then all right, well that's a guy that they just put ahead of Kamenev uh, on the, in the in the ro- on the roster. You know, it's it's very it's a very tenuous situation. He really needed the uh, the rest of this season. To, to prove that he, that he belongs and that he's, you know, he's the, he's the guy. And uh, it's really unfortunate uh, that, that he's he may not get that opportunity. He's certainly not going to get an opportunity anytime soon, uh, even if he does come back later in the year. Um, it's That's a tough go. So um, it's, it's really, um, you know, organizationally, the Avalanche have decent depth there. Um, you know, especially because they don't really know, you know, between Jost and Kerfoot and Comfort, they haven't figured out which of those guys are centers. I think Jost ends up as a left wing after having watched him a bit now. I feel most comfortable with him there on that on that left wing. Uh, that's where he's looked best. It's where he's looked most comfortable. Um, we've it's what we've seen the best of his play uh, has been as a left wing. Um, Kerfoot, I am, you know, I I said over and over and over. I didn't think he could play center, and then he went out and he had a torrid stretch where he looked like a great NHL center and um, turned himself into a pretty good faceoff guy, kind of out of nowhere. Um, so maybe, maybe that guy's for real. Um, and and Comfort just keeps, you know, he just keeps forcing his way into conversations as a as a guy that. Um, you know, can be used all over the lineup and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see with, with JT. He's still very much a, a work in progress himself. Um, but point is, is that that's a position where there's a lot of depth. Uh, well, at least there's a lot of potential. I should say there's a lot of potential and you know, McKinnon is there. And then with Soderberg under contract for this year and next, you know that those are two of your centers. Um, so the jobs are, there's not a lot of jobs up for opportunity, but there are going to be. There's going to be even more competition with the addition of Bowers, potentially a higher draft pick as well. Uh, if Colorado uses their own draft pick and that ends up in like the 20s or something uh, on a center, that's not really a competition for Kamenev uh, because that guy will be probably two years out. Um, certainly, at least a year out. Guys that get drafted that low usually don't make it quick impacts. Um, so it's, you know, not worried about that guy, but the Ottawa pick could certainly produce a center that could make this injury, um, you know, could make Kamenev almost obsolete, you know? Um, so it's, it, 
it's a tough break for him, um, and and really the the clock is kind of running out um, because, and it's crazy to say that, but it's just that when you miss the better part of two seasons due to injury, uh, and you're a young guy that's trying to develop, you know, twenty he's his age twenty one year last year, his age twenty two season this season, um, you know, those are huge development years that are just gone. He he got nothing out of. Uh, and it's been it's been bad luck more than anything else for him. I definitely think he's an NHL player, but I also think that the roster around him is is improving at a rapid enough rate that he is very much now with, with the with the news today in danger of getting left behind. Um, so it's which is both good news and bad news, right? You know, I mean, good news because the abs are improving and they've got a lot of talent on the way. That's for real um, bad news because you like the kid and you want to, you want to see him get a, get a chance and a look and you know, you want to, you want a guy to prove, you know, be able to prove himself when he's healthy, that, that he could, that he's a guy that belongs on a roster. And instead it feels like injuries are going to strip him of the chances. So um, definitely a bummer, um, but we'll, you know, we'll we'll see. Um, so that's gonna kind of wrap it up here um, for my second segment. I wanted to. Uh, I, I didn't want to completely rely on questions from you guys, but you guys had a lot of them as you usually do. So next segment, uh, I'm gonna try and pick out the most interesting hockey questions uh, and and leave the silly ones. You know, this is the heart of the season. Um, we'll, we'll leave the silly ones for when there isn't as, as much to talk about, um, you know, later, later on, but for now gonna, gonna pay some bills. And, uh, before we jump into that next segment, I want to tell you about a really awesome deal for BSN listeners. Uh, you already know that total beverage has the most liquor in Colorado at the best prices, but now they're delivering to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. And for a limited time, total Bev is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use the promo code BSN 10 to save that $10 off of a $50 order for all your holiday parties and have it delivered straight to your door. It's a great deal. Um, planning on using it, uh, multiple times so that, uh, you know, I can uh, save a little bit on the alcohol for, uh, uh, you know, for the Christmas party that that we're actually going to throw here at the house this year with the with the roommates. So uh, it's a great deal. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, should be, you know, should be the bee's knees. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, wrap up this awkwardness with my little boy voice and uh, get uh, get out of here for the segment. I will be back on the other side to continue up, uh, answer some of y'all's questions. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by In We Go. I'll be right back. Hey, BSN fans. Your favorite Colorado sports network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer, and we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the bar page where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer whenever they want just go to bsnbars.com and you can get one free coors banquet at any bar on that list all you have to do is show the 
bartender the VIP image on that page in your browser, and you can retrieve a free Coors Banquet beer at any of those bars. There are over 20 bars there. You're sure to find one close to you. It's bsnbars.com. Find a bar and get a free Coors Banquet on the house. Thanks for listening to the BSN Denver Podcast Network. All right. Welcome back in. Third and final segment here of the BSN Avalanche Podcast. Presented by In We Go, I am AJ, uh, alongside uh, AJ. So, um, that's not to say that there's another AJ in the room. I'm literally by myself. So, uh, let's uh, let's jump into some questions that you guys had. You guys actually brought some really interesting um, Colorado hockey questions uh, this time around. Instead of just being like, who should the Avalanche trade for? Which... You know, and and I haven't gotten. I'm scrolling through all these, and I have not gotten a, a single expansion draft question. So I sincerely thank all of you uh, for for not subscribing to the chaos that I see the athletic has been pushing. And that's not to dump on the athletic. I just I see that they've been writing articles about. Oh, it's not too early to try and project these rosters, and it's like, yes, it is. Yes, it is. It is much too early. You think it's too early to project a mock draft a year before it happens? Trying to project project an expansion draft three years in advance is a complete waste of everybody's time. So I really do sincerely thank everybody uh, that that did ask me questions and did not ask me about uh, <laughs> did not ask me about the expansion draft. You guys uh, brought the brought the thunder, and I very much appreciate that. Um, so let's see here. Um, first, first question is, it's from James Curtis, um, my dude, and it's an interesting one. And normally I don't like to play these kinds of what if games, but, uh, because it ties into the current situation with Martin Cowdell, I wanted to get into it a little bit. Uh, but his question is, if you could go back and play, uh, Miko, a 10th game, his rookie year and not let his ELC slide, therefore paying him last year instead of this year, would you do it? The answer is obviously yes, uh, and I thought about it at the time. I made the argument that they should do that as well uh, because they weren't going to be in a position where the third year was going to really matter as their for their salary cap, um, and that ended up being what happened. Um, was that um, was was that the uh, the Avs? If you look at this season. If the Avs were paying him $6 million this year, $7 million this year, based off his 84-point year last year, you know, on a long-term contract, then, um, you know, and it, it would have no impact on Colorado's salary cap right now. It, none. Like, yeah, sure, they would have less space, but um, given that they have the third most space available right now, you know, that they've, I mean, they're, they're, they're currently sitting on 19 million in cap space, uh, you know, with the way that the daily cap hits work. Uh, but ended up with about 12 million um, at the end of the summer. Uh, you put Ranton in there at seven, makes no difference. Whereas moving forward, because of the slide, um, because they got four years of an ELC out of him, uh, they, you know, they very much are going to, it's going to cost them a, an absolute ton of money. Um, I mean, a ton of money. So, 
<clears throat> that's that's going to be in, in, in where that ties into Martin Kaut is that the Avs could play Kaut uh, 10 games this year, trigger the start of his ELC, and then, you know, they're paying up in two years. The difference being uh, Kaut's ELC is going to be part of his value uh, by the third year of that contract. You know, Colorado uh, is going to have to make uh, big you know, big financial commitments, certainly bigger than the what they've got. Um, you know, uh, to a, you know, Rantanen is the obvious one, but in the three years for them to, for, for Cal CLC, they will have to extend Kerfoot. They'll have to extend Comfer. They'll have to extend Jost. They'll have to extend Gerard. Um, Zadorov. Tyson Berry's contract is going to come up. Um, they've got to figure out what they're doing with Philip Grubauer as potential starter moving forward. They've got to figure out, you know, maybe what what about bringing Varley back if he plays well enough. All those things are going to be under consideration. So the third year of Count's uh, ELC is actually going to be really valuable to them because they will be spending way, way, way more money than they are right now uh, on their NHL roster. They will not have, uh, what is this, one, two, three, four, five six, seven ELCs on their, uh, six ELCs on their roster right now. So, uh, <laughs> they will not be in a position where they have six ELCs moving forward on their, on their roster. So, um, Couts is going to be a lot more valuable because half those guys that are on ELCs now are going to be making significant money. So, um, I would not do that with Cout and with Cout that also brings into, uh, consideration if you were to just jump him up to the NHL today and play him and for right now that would also trigger him as being eligible for the expansion draft if they just sit him this year and let him do his thing in the AHL um, which they should uh, they not only have to not worry about the expansion draft but the ELC will slide and he will get uh, starting next year his ELC will actually officially begin it's very it's smart deal it's a great deal for everybody involved in this case uh, I mean never it's never a great deal for the player to be on an ELC just because you know he's certainly worth more than that in most cases but I'm not gonna get into like labor rights and all that right now <laughs> um for Cout, uh it's it's it makes perfect sense it's good it's the best thing for his development anyway let him continue to do his thing he's made a great adjustment there uh, with the Eagles, um, 12 points in 23 games, and he's been a clutch stud for them, uh, winning a couple of shootouts and such. So, um, with and with Cout, this ties into another question. Um, uh, somebody asked about Cout. I can't remember exactly who it was, um, so I'm sorry that you, you won't get that. Oh, Craig Branton. He says, how is Cout progressing? Any chance he sees the NHL club this season? I'd say no on the NHL clubs this season, but he's progressing exactly as you want. He's he's following kind of the quote-unquote Miko path um, nicely in that um, he is... Uh, my brain just turned off. He's doing a, he's doing a great job. Um with the uh, with the first year adjustment to North America in the AHL, he's producing. They're competitive. He's a big part of that. Everything is going the way that you want with him. Um, let him let him compete for the spot next season. He is a 
uh, if nothing if nothing else, if, if they don't go into free agency, they don't do anything else, he is a plug-and-play roster replacement next season for Colin Wilson. Easily. So... Um, you know, everything is great. Everything, everything is really, uh, going the way that you would want it on the, the count front. Uh, it's all positive. Uh, it's all exciting. He looks, he looks great. And his personality is going to be amazing in Colorado. Fans are going to adore him. Um, especially if Francis sticks around because the Francis count bromance is maybe the most adorable thing on the planet these days. Um, Shout out Z. Um, so I think uh, definitely keep him around. Hopefully, uh, you know, we get to see, maybe get to see both of those guys in Denver next year. Um, so kind of interesting. Um, kind, of in a, kind of an interesting uh, situation with Cout and the ELCs and, you know, looking back on Rantanen and how much money they would have saved had they, you know, had Ranton and been their deadline acquisition instead of going out and trading for Mikhail Bodker, um, which I mean, they weren't going to sign Connor Bleakley anyway. So that would have given them an extra second round pick that year. And, you know, who knows, who knows what a different world we're living in if, if those things go on. But um, next question from, from Sean Huber. I, I never know if it's Huber or Uber or, you know, so I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to anglicize it. I'm going to say Huber, and we're just going to go with that. Uh, he says, are the Avs on or ahead of schedule with their rebuild and how is the season, and how the season is shaping out? What is a realistic timeline for them to contend? When do they become aggressive and look into signing some marquee free agents? All these questions kind of tie into the first one of are the where are the Avs in their, their rebuild uh, process? And I, I would say that the Avs are perfectly on schedule here. Um, they might have accelerated a little bit with Rantanen and McKinnon both turning into complete maniacs <laughs> uh, with 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 a top line that suddenly is the NHL's most dominant. I don't think that was necessarily part of the plan. You always hope it it becomes part of the plan in time, um, but it's um, it's it's interesting um, to see that. You know, when they when they kind of restarted this rebuild, two guys that they already had on the roster are the ones that are like, well, not only are we dragging this organization out of the basement, but now we're dragging them, you know, now now we're going to take them to, you know, maybe maybe winning a round in the postseason, you know, maybe a hundred point year regular season, you know, all these all these things. Right. <laughs> um, so it's it's funny, uh, but no, I think they're they're right on schedule. They're still they're still figuring out who some of their young guys are. Um, a realistic timeline for them to contend, I believe. I believe that there's a very real possibility that we look at the Avalanche as a Stanley Cup contender as early as next season. Um, I think they're kind of one of those fringe teams on the outside this year, where there's you you say any given year there's four to six teams that you feel like have a, a serious chance to win it, um, and I think Colorado is probably like in that eight to twelve range is where I would put them right now. So they're just on the outside, but they're ahead of most of the league and they're feeling good, feeling you know feeling sexy, feeling feeling uppity like they're they're gonna get frisky in the playoffs and they're they're gonna be a tough out for you know when they make the postseason. I think they'll they'll be a tough out. Um, you know, obviously they have to get there first, so that's the focus now. Um, 
but I think they're they're next year they could definitely take a big step. Uh, when do they become aggressive and look into some marquee free agent signings? I think it's next summer. McKinnon has already said he he plans to get a lot more aggressive about recruiting guys. Um, this is a, a it's shaping up to be a UFA class that will have the kind of impact players that could change things for Colorado in a very big and very very meaningful way, and I mean in a good way. Um, there are some big names that that could be out there, guys like Panarin and Stone. Um, I guess if you want, Eric Carlson will be out there too. Um, I don't expect that to be a conversation, but you never know. So um, you know there there will be some big time guys out there for the for the taking on the market at least as of today. Um, you know I mentioned Kevin Hayes earlier. Um, you hope that they do avoid the uh, the big money expenditures on the kind of iffier guys, guys like Jordan Eberle, that make you a little bit nervous. Um, Hayes makes me less nervous than Eberle because I don't, I'm not as worried about effort and I'm not as worried about you know his, the streakiness. I think Hayes is more of a consistent guy that can help them, uh, and his versatility is is a, a selling point for me as well versus Eberle, who's just a wing. So. Um, I do, I do think it's going to be an interesting, uh, summer for them and they're going to have an opportunity to go ham and spend some real money on a big time free agent if they want. Um, I think this is the year for them to do it. They've got the money. They've got the opportunity. It's a class with difference makers. If you're going to go out and you're going to spend money in free agency, you want to do it on guys like stone on guys like Artemi Panarin, you know? And I'm not really going to push the Panarin thing very hard. It's supposedly he wants to go to a coast. Everybody kind of assumes he's going to be a ranger. Uh, the feeling around the league that from basically everybody I've talked to is that he loves New York and New York is where he wants to be. Um, so I'm not really going to get uh, too excited about that. But you never know. Colorado has a weird Russian pipeline. Uh, you never know if those if those guys stick around and those guys sell Colorado to him. Hey, who knows, right? But certainly no expectations going into that. Um, okay. Yeah, moving forward. Um, Steven Schweitzer asks, which player has underperformed the most this so far? Which player has improved the most since last year? Uh, underperformed? I kind of want to say Zadorov, to be honest with you. Um, I feel like we saw so many positive steps forward from him last year that his inconsistency this year almost feels like pushing reset and um, trying to, trying to figure out, you know, who is, who, who is this guy? You know, what's going on here? Um, other, the other guy that I think really has kind of not just my personal expectations uh, that has not lived up to them so far has on It's been Matt Calvert. Um, I I didn't hate his signing uh, as much as some other people did. Um, he's really, I mean, he's he's kind of below his offensive pace that he's set for most of his career, not by a lot, but by a little bit. Um, but he offensively, uh, I've been a little disappointed with what he's brought, and he. He's a guy that I've I've watched a lot of in previous years, and I was I was excited because I thought there was a little. I've always felt like he had sneaky decent offense, and this year it feel it feels like so much offense has died on his stick, and um, that has honestly just been a big disappointment for me. Um, so that's that's been a 
that's that's been a bummer for me in terms of their homegrown guys um you know their their own young guys uh you know obviously you'd still like to see a little bit more consistency from Jost there was that hot streak that he was on when he first got back from injury and it was like oh my gosh this is going to be really fun if this is who he is the abs are unstoppable um you know <laughs> it's kind of been a bummer there um Another guy that I think sneakily you know, has maybe underperformed a little this year is Eric Johnson. Um, I feel like he's struggled in adjusting to a more limited role. Uh, his his production hasn't been very good. I've always been a little disappointed um, with his offense. I feel like he should be just a little bit more dangerous. Uh, he finds a way to generate shots, but I, I find myself being uh, struggling to necessarily remember where they come from. You know, I feel like... Um, of of them, Tyson Berry is so much more dangerous than than EJ is with the puck, and um, it's it's a stark contrast to me the way that I feel like how much distance Berry is put between him and Johnson in terms of raw offensive ability. Um, so uh, EJ a slight underperformer, and then you know you have to say Grubauer um set off to a, a slow enough start that. You know, I don't. I, some people think he's terrible, right? And I think that's way, way, way over the top. Um, judging guys on ten games is so stupid. Um, so it's you know, I should say judging goaltenders. I mean, well, I mean, I guess judging any player on a ten game sample is just silly pants. But um, you know, judging a goaltender who's you know new, new, he's got uh, a new goaltender coach. He's got uh, a new system that he's working with. He's he's learning. An entire new roster. He's getting comfortable with communicating. He's got to relearn everything from the ground up, and it takes time for guys to adjust. And when you're the backup, it's going to take even more time to adjust, just because uh, you know you're not getting those reps. If you were doing it every day, you hammer out those kinks, you get that stuff out of the way in the first month or two. Because he's been the backup, um, it's not. It's not more it's 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 a slower process you know i i say this a lot but you know last year we saw john bernier it was about this time of year it's about mid-december when he really um when when he really started to to take to the coaching and and find his find his rhythm uh, i would expect the same for for grubauer i think we've already started to see it uh, i thought he was really good in the Pittsburgh game in Denver, save for that second goal, which was obviously a disaster. But the rest of that game, I thought he was really good. He looked calm. He looked in control. He looked confident. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm feeling good about that. I think he was good in uh, in Florida as well. So I think he's starting to put together some starts here. So um, all of that is encouraging. Um, looking, looking forward to seeing how all that goes. Um So yeah, uh, I think I think that's gonna do it. I'm gonna go ahead and leave the rest of these questions. Um, you know, I I don't want to sit here and answer questions for an hour and a half. So uh, I said I was gonna do one segment. Those of you that got your questions in, thank you so much. Those of you who have questions unanswered, I've been trying to get to some of them on Twitter so that you don't just feel like I was ignoring you. Um, so I will probably spend most of the rest of the night doing that. Uh, okay, that's going to do it for me. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, the gang will be back together tomorrow as we will be at the arena. 
Uh, Jesse and I will be covering the game, so we will be doing the podcast as well um, for for the post game stuff, and you know we'll we'll be there. So looking forward to that. Be curious to see. Uh, you know, it's always fun to see McDavid in person. So um, that's always a thumbs up. So that, but that's for you know for tomorrow. Uh, it'll do it. It'll do it for me tonight. Um, so thank you guys so much for listening. I am AJ Hayfley. This is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by In We Go. We'll see you tomorrow.